Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I should sound a little better, but Jesus, man, I got filled with snot to the brim. Filled with snot to the brim last week. It took me, a, it was a kind of a rough week, sickness-wise. I mean, last week I got the cold, and it just filled me up and knocked me out for a few days. And then I flew out to New Mexico to see my dad and I was out there and the the cold was sort of holding on because I don't know man I'm sorry how are you these people are like I never get colds they last three days they last a week at least I mean you might not feel sick but you're filled with gop goop glop snot but uh back on track I'm back home uh I'll tell you about my dad but let me maybe I should talk about the show a little bit a couple of things Hallie Berry is here. Um, of course, you know her. She's amazing actor, Oscar winner. And now she's a director. Her directorial debut is called Bruised. And it uh, immediately became the number one movie on Netflix when it uh, premiered last month. And then right after that, Hallie signed a new multi-picture deal with Netflix. All right, we'll talk... All about this stuff, her this new chapter in her career, and about a lot of other stuff. I definitely got in pretty, uh, got into it pretty deep with uh, Halle Berry. She's great. I related to her. We had a very open conversation about a lot of things. And to be honest with you, the movie is kind of visceral. I mean, right away. I mean, we talk about the nature of that genre, you know, the underdog fight movie. But she's very aware of what uh, what's up with that genre and how she wanted to change it. But I'll tell you, man. The movie just goes, and she is always fully committed uh, as an actress. Really kind of astounding in terms of the emotional risks she's willing to take. Also, there's a holiday cat mug sale starting today at noon Eastern time. Brian Jones, who hand makes the mugs that I give to my guests, has some new mugs that uh, you can only get from his website. So... Noon today, go to brianrjones.com slash WTF. I'll tell you, watching Bruised, the Halle Berry movie, a lot of times I watch stuff because, you know, I want to know, I want to be up to speed for the guests. I don't know how it's going to land or whether I'm going to like it, but I was, I don't watch movies. I don't watch action movies. I don't watch fight movies. I just don't. I probably would like them too much. I would probably get hooked on them. 
But this one just took me right away because there's so much heart in it. I was excited to talk to her because of that. So look, I know there's a run on used cars because new cars are hard to come by because of supply chain issues. And some people are overpricing used cars. It's hard to trust people with used cars. It's hard to trust individuals selling their used cars. It's hard to trust in general, sadly. And I was just dealing with a fairly reasonably priced car because I wanted to help my friend Kit out. Uh, she's been hanging around with me for a while and uh, she's been there for me in some difficult times. And her car died. And I wanted to get her a car. And it became a real fucking problem. So the Carvana thing fell through after a month. She's taking the fucking bus and the train, which is not bad. I mean, you know, nothing wrong with public transport. But still, I just wanted to get a reasonably priced used car that had some fucking juice left in it. So this kind of is convoluted story. I go home to visit my dad, who goes to the hospital. He needed to go to the hospital because he had all these symptoms, couldn't remember anything. He was shuffling in his gait. He had, had no balance. There was a lot of things going on mentally. And there was a lot of assumptions being made about what he might have. But it turns out he had uh, a grown old man hydrocephalus. I think that's how you pronounce it. This water on the brain that was, you know, causing problems. And he had to get it drained. And it just, just happened coincidentally was when I was there. We had a couple of days together, had some great laughs, uh, ate some food. It was great to see my old man. I know a lot of you know that. You know, sometimes I've been at odds with him in my life, but I'm showing up for the guy the best I can, and, and I always enjoy making him laugh. I think he was my original audience. But he went in, got a spinal tap, draining the fluid, and apparently some of his brain's coming back. So if that's the problem, that's a fucking miracle. We'll see. Then I realized while I'm there that my dad's wife, Rosie, has a nephew who would be my cousin by marriage. I don't, you know, deal with, you know, my my cousins from birth. I don't deal with my, I just don't deal with family that much. It's a, probably a mistake. And I don't like to deal with them when I need something, if that's the only time you deal with them. But this was sort of a good introduction in a way. Her nephew, Gary Padilla, over there at uh, Houston Wholesale Auto on Lomas in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm like, let me talk to Gary, man. Maybe he can. He, maybe he's got a car over there, because I know him. He's family. He's my cuz. You know, I'll, I'll know where the car comes from. This seemed like the best idea I could possibly come up with. And I went over there, and there was a fucking 2012 Hyundai Elantra, sparkly blue, that somebody loved. The windows were tinted. The the leather seats were still intact and nice. The interior looked great. There's nothing better than finding a used car, especially a reasonable used car. That somebody clearly cared for. You could feel it. And I'm like, this is it, man. And he was like, I know. This is it. And I'm like, this is it. Let's do it. Can we knock it out? And he's like, let me get it cleaned up and repainted. I'm like, I don't got time for that. He's like, just let me take care of it. So he got it all checked out. Took the uh, tint off the windshield. Left the windows. Because, you know, kit's cool. And, uh, and actually did have some paint put on there on the windows where it was just weather worn. Guy went above and beyond. Great deal. And then it was sort of like, should we put it on a truck and have it delivered? I'm like, no, fuck it, man. I'll deliver it. I will deliver this car. I told my friends, I'm like, I'm going to buy this car and deliver. I'm going to take it home, give it to Kit. So he got the paperwork together. I'm telling my friends, they're like, what are you, 20? Who does that? I'm like, what do you mean? And then it was like really weird because I got up. I left at five in the morning. I'd got, I'd put two hours in, you know, before the sun even came up in this car. And I got to 
Flagstaff, you know, before noon. It's like an 11 to 12 hour drive to LA. And I just got to thinking like, I don't live a life like regular people my age. It's not even a matter of feeling my age or being my age. It's just, I don't live that life. This is the life I live where I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to drive this car to Los Angeles tomorrow. And I, you know, I had to wrap my brain around it. I had to cancel flights, had to return a rental car. And I had to be back, you know, yesterday to do a, a moderative panel and talk to Peter Dinklage. But I drove that car back, man. I drove it back. And it was also a way to see if it was a good car. It's a great car. But I just started thinking, man, you live the, you know, if you live a grounded life and, and you feel secure, better make sure you're living it, that life. I drove that car, man. I drove that sparkly blue 2012 Hyundai Elantra like a cowboy through the desert, baby. Had water and cashews in the car. Thinking. That's the other thing. Either you're a driver or you're not. I come from a family of drivers, runners. I don't know. It's just that me and my brother, we love to drive. My, my father, drive. Hours, hours. His wife's a driver. So, stopped at a truck stop. I had been so long. This is a big, real, there's a lot of truckers out there right now. I have to assume because of the su- supply chain backup, now there's just an overload. And also, no one leaves their house anymore, so everything has to move. Everything has to be delivered. It was always busy, but it seemed really fucking busy. And uh, I stopped at a truck stop, and I was like, wow. This is in the middle of fucking Arizona or wherever, maybe, you know, Western New Mexico. I was like, this is the most diverse environment I think I've been in in ages. There was like, you know, uh, Indian guys there, maybe Pakistani guys there, black dudes, uh, Mexican dudes, Asian dudes, like, you know, all kinds of people. And they're truck drivers. I didn't, I just realized this is like on the road community of people in sweatpants that climb out of fucking vessels after hours and hours of being in them to shower and wash their face, brush their teeth, get some coffee. And I went to the bathroom. It was like crazy. It's like just people like, you know, waking up. Everyone's waking up together. People of all kinds in their sweatpants. They're driving sweats. And I'm just waiting to use a stall because I got to go to the bathroom. Some guy's waiting before me. And there's like three or four stalls. It's a weird moment. This huge dude was waiting to go before me into a stall. And like, oh, look, it's filthy. It's fucking filthy. Truck stops. But what are you going to do? A lot of movement in there. A lot of people coming through. So some dude leaves a stall. And then this big dude walks into that stall, turns around and runs away. Like run, like something in there terrified him. Or maybe the guy who was in there just before forgot something. I don't know what happened, but this guy lit out of that stall. And I look around, I'm like, what's up? And I went in there and I'm like, what could be in here that could be so terrifying? Now, I'm a grown person, but this has happened. And I'm a grown person. I've seen some pretty nasty shit, literally, in bathrooms whether they be porta potties or public restrooms. A lot goes on there. You know, you can't account for what someone does to their insides. But this guy ran out of there. But I walk in there and they're like, it's, they're all automatic flush toilets. And I guess this one wasn't working maybe. But there was like, there was like a, uh, how should I say it? There was like a, a turd 
the size of like an uh, like a forearm in there and part of it was out of the water so that that's scary i mean really that would scare anybody you don't know if it's going to jump out at you you don't you know it, it was looked like it was poised to go so I, by the look of that thing i thought maybe that guy ran out maybe to get that guy's autograph cuz this thing was like whew, or maybe he just couldn't handle it i don't know but I just fucking, you know, there's a button on those kind of toilets. Just push it and it'll flush. And there, and then I was free. I was free to do my business, which was, you know, minimal in comparison. You know, there, there are people that do the big work. There, then there are those of us who, you know, just hope we can do the work at all. And, you know, and want to be healthy. Ran out of there. Maybe just want to shake that guy's hand. I don't know. Not sure this is the best lead-in, but it, it it is what it is. It's a real story, and it's a real memory, and it might be a children's book. Halle Berry is uh, deeply talented, emotionally present, and uh, was amazing to talk to. Her new film, uh, Bruised, that she directed and stars in, is now streaming on Netflix. And this is me talking. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get Get your podcasts. Her. Chris Spencer says hi. Oh, were yes. you just talking to him? Well, I saw him last night. We, oh. you know, we we do comedy, so I, you know, he was on before me. Oh, I work at the comedy store. Yeah, and I told him I was talking to you. He's like, "Oh, tell her I said hi," and I'm like, "Do you really know her?" And he said, "Yes." Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we do. <laughs> but he said that um, he said that he's directing a movie as well. Is he? Yes. So oh, you didn't wow. know that. I didn't know that. Well, now you know. Yeah. And he said that he was using the cinematographer you used on Bruised. Frankie DeMarco. Well, no. I had two. Who was the other guy? Unfortunately, what Josh the, Reyes. They don't sound either one of those sound familiar. You had two. One got the let go halfway uh, through, yeah, and then another one showed up on a Monday. It it was, it was something rare that hardly ever happens. But oh, really, on this movie, yeah, to tell you the truth, yeah, <laughs> people, anything could happen. Everybody said, in all my years, I've never seen this happen. If I heard that one more time, my head was going to explode. Like about what? Everything. Oh, really? The, the crazy things that were happening to me. Uh-huh. People were saying, in all my years, I've never seen this happen. Like what? Another day later. In all my... Well, like that. Having to have two DPs. One guy getting gone and another guy showing up that I never met, never talked to, and them saying, here's your new DP. And I'm like, oh. Wow. Nice to meet you right in the middle of shooting. 
Wow. Right? So It's crazy. So many things. But, you know, the movie looks so great. Well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it's got a very, like, you know, the, the sort of, it kind of vibrates. It's electric, you know, and yeah. I like all that close-up stuff yeah. and the handheld stuff. Yeah. Like, it really goes. Yeah. And the budget, you know, dictates a lot of that. Sure. You know, like, I thought, what will be the most effective way to shoot this movie and have it be gritty and yeah. dark and real? Yeah. What would be the best way? So it was pretty much all handheld in our budget. But what is the story? of this movie because it seems like kind of a uh, like the little movie that could you know, know. like I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it is right yes. I mean like I, I all of a sudden there's this movie and then you know all of a sudden you know you get this great opportunity to to make more movies for Netflix and I think for a while there you couldn't even get you couldn't even sell this movie right well yeah it was hard to get people to believe that a movie about a woman living in this environment mm. was worth telling. You know, when you think a classic that fight true? movie. Yeah, that's really true. And being now, a woman of color, absolutely true. Really? Because like it just seems like in the culture we live in, people love watching people beat the shit out of each other. But not women. And not a black woman. We've never seen that before. I don't know. I know. So it was something they'd never seen. And that's the problem. Because nobody's ever seen it, there was all this trepidation. I argued, that's the reason you should do it, because nobody's ever seen it. Right. It's a new version of an old genre. Why do you want to see the same thing over and over? Aren't we tired of that? Right. Can we have a modern day take on this genre? Right. And and the genre is, you know, a a sort of proven success. The genre is. Yeah. And and people love the genre. They love an underdog fight movie, right? But my argument was, but let's tell it from a female point of view. You've never seen a black woman do it. Let's make it different. Was it always that? Was it scripted that way? No, I mean, what was the wasn't. history of the movie? The history was it came to me and it was written for a 21-year-old Irish Catholic girl. Blake Lively was attached <laughs> yeah. at the time. Yeah, I love these stories. Yeah, and it wasn't for me at all. Yeah. And I read it and I said to my agent, it was my first script, my new agent. I just had gone to WME uh-huh. and they handed me this script yeah. and I read it overnight and said, it came back, I love it. Let let me change it. And then I want to do it. And they said, well, uh, it belongs to Blake Lively. So you can't actually have it. And I thought, As a director or as an actor? As an it? actor. So originally. it just came to you as an actor. Yeah. But it didn't really come to me because it was with Already, Blake. Right. They just said, well, we just wanted to know if this is the kind of thing you would like to do. And I said this is not fair. Like, is yeah. this how we're going to start our relationship? Yeah, right, right. You can't do this, but isn't it amazing? This. Yes, <laughs> yes. But is this what you want to do? Yeah. So they said, we don't know. I kept saying, I have to do this. I'm going to die. I'm yeah. going to die if I don't get to reimagine this. Like, yeah. well, this is cruel. Yeah. And they said, well, you have to just wait because Blake was also a client. Yeah. And how they handled this was very important to me. You know, if they backhanded it and took it from her in some way because I was passionate to poach me because I was a new client, I was watching. And Isn't it weird as an actor, like, and you've been doing this a long time, where you realize these, like, these people that are working for you, you've got to second guess everything in a way, like, how is this being used? How am I being used? What's the game yeah. here? What are they doing? Yeah, and you know if they do some shady shit to her, I, it's, I, I'm going to be the shady shit person, you know, done to <laughs> right. in about five minutes. Right. So I was very keen to watch. Yeah how they handled it. And to their credit, they said, look, it's hers. We can't say anything to her about it. And I suggest you don't even say you read it. Yeah. If she passes on it, you know, oh, so she wasn't, wasn't really attached yet. She was. Oh. She was. She was all ready to do it. And she was going to do it. But yeah. they said, if some odd chance she doesn't, uh-huh. we'll make sure because we'll have control of it if she drops it, that it gets into your hands. So I had to wait six months before, you know, she before just she decided that she t- wasn't going to do it. She didn't, like it. she didn't feel like the commitment. She didn't want to do it. She just didn't want to do it. Yeah. And, and they weren't going to ask her because they didn't want to, her to feel like they were trying to 
you know, get rid of it. Yeah, they just yeah. said, we have to leave it with her and we'll let her decide. Mm. And so finally, it, but in that six months, it gave me a lot of time to work on my reimagining. Oh, yeah. And I just believed that she wasn't going to do it. And I've said, when she doesn't, I need to be ready with my pitch, my story, have it all flushed out so I can go to those producers and like, bam, right. all in my head. What were, what were some of, let me try and guess what the changes were. Was the trainer always a woman? Yes. Okay. But a different not, woman. Not an African-American. Not an African, obviously. No. Yeah. No. And uh, what, uh, what else? How, <laughs> what were the changes you made? A big change. The little boy yeah. spoke a lot. Oh. A lot in the screenplay. That was so heavy, man. Like, you know, it's like, it's so heavy, that 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 dynamic. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'll tell you, like, one thing for sure, like, you, you're a great uh, actor, and, oh. and you really commit to, in, in an emotional way, that's very rare, and seems very risky mm. uh, to me. Just, do you feel that when you do that? When I you put love your, it. I love it. You do, right? Like, that, that just gets me feeling alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To put it all out there like that and go to those dark places and dare to expose it and expose yourself in the process. But also expose these really real emotions that people are really struggling with. Oh, yeah. And yeah. grappling. It's real yeah. shit. It's not, it's what everyday people uh, struggle yeah. with in all walks of life, black and right. white. Yeah, it's, it's the right. truth of humanity. So, all right, so the kid talked a lot. He talked a lot. Yeah. Um, and because, she, you know, the original character was so young, she yeah. gave up the kid because she was just too young to be a mother. So I had to rearrange the story of and make sense out of why would a woman in her 30s give up a child when she's got, you know... So to, you mean to uh, to uh, to submit, make it adapted to your age? Yeah, and right. to make us under like you understand why a young woman would give up a child, not yeah. ready to be a mom, but you don't really understand why a thirty-five year old woman would give up right. a child, right? right. It, we, we don't do that as well. Yeah. So I had to create those circumstances, yeah. you know, as to why a woman would do that, right? Um, so that meant you know that that all had to be created, and yeah. I had to too also get with which. He doesn't get credited on the movie, but yeah. Stephen Adley Gerges came in, who's you know a brilliant playwright. Okay, had to come in and like help us with the world, with the coloring of the world. Oh, really? And, and the dialogue and yeah, like immaculate wasn't immaculate. That's right. a Stephen Adley Gerges, <laughs> yeah, ad, you know, addition. Right. You know, he writes these worlds. I don't know. Did you ever see? Um, uh, between Riverside and Crazy, what he won his Pulitzer for. No. I mean, he writes this world and these characters so beautifully, and they're tragic, and they're broken, and yeah. such humanity in them. And so he, he kind of went over the script? Yeah, he went yeah. over the script with me and did a real dialogue pass to help bring out these characterizations of these. Really? Scenes. Yeah. And and you had done that already? I had worked on the story, yeah. yeah. But Stephen, you know, and to Michelle's credit, Michelle Rosenfarb, you know, she, this world. The original script? Yeah, the original yeah. script. This wasn't her world. This black inner city Newark. Yeah, you know, Newark. What wasn't her? Not a lot of Newark movies. No, not a lot of Newark movies. Yeah, good. So you know, Stephen so, came in to you know just color that up, color that dialogue. Who's responsible for you know that that scene between the, the mother and daughter, where you where you, where you yeah. find out what that how bad that mother is because yeah. of what your character is saying to her. Yeah, I mean that was heavy shit, yeah. man. Yeah, was that all in there? No. <laughs> that was all added. That was all added. By you and Stephen? Yeah, especially me, because that is, you know, what I know to be true is that so many of these stories, especially with women, which is why the film had to stay. I wanted a female director before it was me. It had to be told 
from this female gaze because so many women have been abused this way oh, I know. throughout families. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we're marginalized. And so that had to be a part of it for me. It had to be a part of what their dysfunction was all about. And when you say that bad mother, I see it differently. It's not a bad mother. She was the kind of mother she was based on the lack of love she received. Yeah, I, you know? I, yeah, I mean... So, I, so, so there's no bad. There's just people okay. trying to survive the damage that's been well, done to them. I, I'm not, I, I guess I'm not... I don't mean morally bad, but yeah. I mean she was not a good parent. No, no. So Her parenting I, I think sucked. What, right. <laughs> I, I think that's what I mean. I don't... Yeah. I, I know that that was... Care, that you were careful to, you know, exude and capture empathy on all sides, yeah. really. Yeah, because I don't think there's very they're bad, good people. We're all people trying to survive and struggle um, and, and survive uh-huh. the wounds of our past. Well, right. But what that, we were given and not given. The love we got, the love we didn't right, get. I know. Right? The things that were poured into us and the things right. that were spilled into Like, you know, it's not no. always under our con- within our control. I get that. You know, but like lately I've just been a little nutty about like, you know, uh, people who don't take responsibility for their fucking mental illness well, yeah. out in the world. Yes. Then it is your responsibility because when you grow up yeah. and you realize you had a fucked childhood yeah. and you didn't get all the love, right. then you have to do something about it. You can't stay stuck on I know. using that as an excuse. Right. I 100% agree. It's, yeah. And I think what Jackie was doing, she was holding her mother responsible. At that moment. Don't tell me like, you didn't know. I know you knew. Right. Face it. Right. And so healing only comes when you force somebody to face their dysfunction. Right. Right. And so you feel that the mom kind of softens towards the end and you want to right, believe right. that maybe this is a first step in the healing and her taking that's so, responsibility. That's so, yeah, I, I want to believe that. And it was definitely a touching moment. And, you, you know, sort of like because of the genre, you kind of know you're hoping for like, oh, I remember I texted my producer. I'm watching the thing. I'm like, this better not go down like million dollar baby because I can't take it. <laughs> like if she... <laughs> If she, what if would she, that have been if she like died? If she ends up in a wheelchair, like <laughs> I'm like I'm not gonna be able to fucking deal with this movie at this pace. And he said, No, I think it's I think it's gonna go the other way. But uh <laughs> well, but, thank God. Yeah. But that moment well, I mean I've seen a lot of movies lately where you know you get you, the underdog does, remains the underdog. Yeah, yeah. But and I felt that moment, you know, where yeah. she's watching the fight and you feel like and also when you go get the kid at the end. Yes. But uh, but I had this argument with Benedict Cumberbatch, and I guess it's a it's a movie argument where, you know, does that woman become a better person? I don't know. Like in my experience of people, and the reason maybe I judge harshly is because most people, even if they know, they stay in their shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and this has got nothing to do with the movie. Obviously, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. No, it's no, just the no, idea of empathy. You know, it's true. It's true, and they stay in their shit, but. Sometimes the idea of movies and art is to get people to look at it more closely. Right, no, absolutely. Do we have to stay in our shit? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or can we make small steps that evolve us to a place where we do have more understanding with each other? We do. We can. You know? And we also saw that the mother, when the fight was going on, we saw, we saw that there's love. Like, it's hard for me to believe that you birth a child and you don't have innate love in your heart for that. Of course. And she's also a drug addict and made compromises and can't live with herself. Yeah. Just, you know, it's it's human. It's what we do as humans. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) It's what we do. (laughs) I think that a lot of times I get judgmental and I get angry because in moments I I don't want to deal with my own shit mm. so it's easier to go like nah that's fuck that person you know yeah. what i mean like yeah but that just you know that's just the nature of it too that's the ebb and flow of it you grow and then you drop back yeah a little bit yes and you yeah yeah grow yes so when because like the one question I, I have because i really i like the movie and i don't watch a lot of movies like that and i don't know if there is a movie like that but i don't i, I don't yeah. generally watch action movies or right. 
but yeah, how can you not like that movie? And it's doing very well, right? Yes, it is. People like are getting off on it because People. I think a lot of it has to do with because I thought is this just a fight movie? But it's not. It's all the things you're talking about. Like you know, yeah. right away it seems very like very real stuff, and you don't even know. Like just in the little suggestions about what happened to the kid's father and that song, it's just heartbreaking. It's yeah. so heartbreaking. And what about that choice you made on the street? You know, when that when you guys come across that speaker playing that song, yeah, and that kid curls up, but yeah. you chose not to hug him. Yeah, because she's not there yet. She, but you he, knew that, right? You, I knew that. That was, that was oh, a yeah. choice. You're that was like, a choice. Yeah, you're not instantly a mother. When you give up a kid and you don't know the child, when he returned, he was a stranger. She gave him up at right, birth. Right, but you were also very self, you know, selfish, right? Yeah, selfish, but also not knowing what to do. Right. She doesn't know that's what she would do. You yeah, know, she yeah, yeah. She doesn't know that's what a, I thought it was a she's hell not of a, a good mother yet. That's a painful choice, man. Yeah. To sit there yeah. as an audience member, yeah. like, really? But she knew she had to let him grieve. Yes, she knew I, I got that. Taking him to the side and letting him deal was important. As opposed to, but, as opposed to rushing him on. Or, right. Yeah. But she didn't know what to do with that. That was a lot for her in that moment. Yeah. You know. So what, how, when you took this on, this is the first movie you directed. Yeah. And it's really good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, so like, so like this, let's get back to the, the history of the movie. So you, you have that she gives up the movie, you get the movie. How do you end up directing the movie? Well, it's not something I wanted to do. Really? Shoot you straight. No. I mean, I had a big acting role, you know, to play a fighter. I spent two but years did you, training. But did you spend, did you always want to direct or you never wanted to direct? Maybe, but I was going to do a little short first. <laughs> I was writing a short on way? plastic surgery. And that's what I thought I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> wrote was, it, got it ready to go. About? It's just about plastic surgery and my take on like what's happening to women and what and you know a, a, a the fiction? absurdity of it all. A fiction, yeah, a yeah. comedy, yeah, tragic comedy. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. That that was the approach of a woman of your stature and your experience in acting. You're like, I'm going to make a short and maybe see if I get it to festivals. Because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just want to go to festivals. Like I'm dreaming to go to a well, festival. But also I think it comes from maybe a little insecurity. Yeah. And not being so bodacious to think I can just go do a feature. I've, you know, just because I'm an actor doesn't mean I should be able to direct a film. But it's interesting you know? as an actor, you know, you've been watching people direct you for like for 20, 30 years. 30, 30 years. Yes, yes. But I have so much respect for what a director does that I didn't think initially. And I think many women, especially women of color, uh, I don't think there's nothing that's ever been shown to me that made me think I can, sure I can do that. Huh. You know, and I think as women, we often don't think we can. It's not, I know as a man, you probably don't see it that way because you know, I don't know. Men are men. You guys think you can do everything. Yeah, I, know. I, I generally <laughs> I, don't. Think I know I you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. You guys well, I think different... we have opportunities. Yes, right. right. I, I don't know that every man thinks they can do it, but right. we know we could if we wanted to. Probably, I think so. And right. I think as women, we don't we don't grow with that knowing. Right. right? So, sure. no, I never thought I could. I thought I would have to prove myself every step of the way. So, what an exciting opportunity! You must have freaked out. So, how does it happen? I did freak out because I I went to the producers. I gave them my pitch, yeah. my reimagining. They said, great, we love this reimagining. Now go find a filmmaker yeah. to tell the story. And I said, oh, okay. I knew that I wanted it to be a woman, yeah. keep this female gaze, and I met with some people. Yeah. And the problem was is that this reimagining wasn't on the page yet. It was only in my head. So I had to sit down with filmmakers and say, okay, here's what it is. And right. the problem I ran into was... They either liked the indie art house feeling of the dramatic story and the mm -hmm. smallness of that, and they didn't quite get, but why does it have to be a fight movie? Can we just tell the story of these fractured, broken people? Yeah. 
or, or the other directors would say, I just want to do a straight up fight film. Like, right. I don't want all this drama. I just right. want to do a simple story about a woman getting her kid back and then that's just it. And I knew that those two were connected for me. Yeah. It, it, you can't have the drama without the fight. Right. And the fight was only happening because of the drama. Right. right? So I, I couldn't find someone that saw the totality of the vision that I had in my head. So I finally went home and I was talking to my producing partner, Elaine Goldsmith, and she said, I, wh- why don't you just do it? And I said, are you high? Are you, are you smoking? Yeah. <laughs> Bring me some of it. Yeah. Uh, I know I can. She goes, absolutely you can. You, you just don't think you can. Oh, she's the trainer. Yeah, she was the trainer. She was the trainer for yeah, me. She yeah, said, yeah. you absolutely, you love this story. You know it. You've imagined it now for six months. You've been training. You're, you can pull off this role. Like, yes, you can do it. Yeah. And, and I, I smoked on it <laughs> for 48 hours yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then said, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna go to the producer and yeah. I'm gonna say, hey, what about me? And I fully expected them to shut me down and right. say, and I was prepared to give them like, yeah. if you smoke on this, you <laughs> might be clearer. <laughs> and to my surprise, he said yes. He goes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. You do you do seem to get it. So yes. Wow. And then that, I had to go do it. Now, who were these producers? Basil Iwanek from Thunder Road. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, Brad Feinstein from Romulus and uh, Guyman Cassidy from. Uh, 360. Three different places. Three different places, yeah. Three different One, dudes. Three different dudes. Three different dudes. And they're like, uh, why not? <laughs> why not? It's yeah. interesting, man, because like, whew, uh, it must have been like a thrill. I mean, like, it's such a great opportunity for something you were nervous about, and then you just got to dive in and do it. And yeah. you and you know, that's what's curious about the DP thing, because you know, you've been on enough sets to know, like, yeah, directors are great, but DPs are... Oh my They're God. The ones. You, need, you need a DP. Oh, so yeah. imagine how I felt when they told me, they came to me and said, okay, DP leaving at the end of day, a new one coming Halfway in through. Ha- exactly halfway through. So, but the new DP could look at the dailies, right? And, they, and you could see the yeah. tone. The tone was set. The tone was set. Yeah. Yeah. The Good. problem was I just didn't never had a conversation with the new DP. Oh, yeah. Did it work out all right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, I hope it, I feel like it did, but but it was still very unsettling. I'm a first time director and to have this happen because I had built a relationship with my first DP. Right. And you were you know? and you, you'd We'd get, watch movies together. Right. Like we you were, trusted him and you felt supported and. You know, and so to lose him was destabilizing to say the least but it turned out okay but i can't say i didn't you know right vomit that whole weekend <laughs> <laughs> and and also the acting and directing at the same time is crazy it's crazy so were you looking at at, at shots at, right after did you have a playback i played back and i had a handheld that was attached to my hip and i oh. was you know it slowed down our process which mm. for a small movie like this you know could be very detrimental. It meant we didn't get to do as many takes as because I always had to take time to go back and look and look. And see, look. I don't know how the hell you did that because with you know the emotions of that particular character, how are you? How are you in that? You had to go look. I mean, how, how are you yeah. going to be in the moment and direct other actors and still yeah. be in character? Yeah, which was difficult. I had a woman with me who was our dialect coach for everybody. Yeah, and she proved to be very helpful because I would find myself in the scene and I'm talking to the other, other actors and I'm getting them set and I'm listening to what they're having to say. Yeah. Which we, and so we'd run the scene and I'd be watching. Like I'm watching the other actors and I'm listening and I'm uh, trying to figure out if what they're doing is actually working. And so my little angel, I called her Denise, would come up to me and she yeah. would say, okay, the actors are all great. Yeah. Now you act. Right. Stop okay. directing. Oh, good. And act. 
You're right. in the scene with them, yeah, remember? Yeah. And then I would go, oh, shit. And you're right. Were... I'm acting too. And then I could, you know, forget about them and yeah. then drop into my character and forget and just do my part in the scene. They they actually were all pretty great. They were they were amazing, and you know and they I were didn't stage know most actors. Of them. Well, they're from the stage, so you make well, such a Stephen difference. McKinley. You've you know Stephen the guy McKinley. who played your pops. Yes, he's oh yeah that guy. Yeah, yeah of course he's, uh, he's been around forever. Oh my god, stay a, a beautiful. He played the old actor. trainer. You got to have an yes, old trainer. You got to have the old, old trainer. Soft, the, good guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in and, the um, boxing movie. Sheila A. Tim. She's um, a British actress. She's um, great. Quick question. I just want to know from my own mind. Was there ever a conversation where you didn't consummate that relationship? Yes. Yes. Why was why did you choose to? Because I felt like the character of Jackie needed love like mm. the air to breathe. Yeah. And wherever that didn't know came how to take from, it though. No, didn't know how to take it cuz yeah. she never had it. Oh, really, right. right? Okay. But she needed it like the air to breathe and I didn't believe that she could go on and stay in that fight without getting that. Hmm. Without having some relationship with someone that got her, that validated her, that affirmed her in some way, that gave her strength to go in that um, yeah. cage and realize she belonged there. Yeah. She deserved right. success. You know, right. I think it's hard for broken people to realize they believe good things without some form of love, some form of support. Right. So right. That had to happen in my mind oh. to make her. And it was Stay, right. not run. Yeah. But it was just sort of an interesting choice because, like, in my mind, just from the genre, I'm like, but she's going to show up in the corner. I know. See, I know. I didn't want to do that. You didn't want to do. No, it. I didn't. And I wanted. I wanted the message to be, she did that all by herself. And the fact that you know the movie ends like it ends. Yeah. She, we need to feel like that she's going to be able to go back, get her son, and she's going to be able to handle it all by herself. It's yeah. not going to be about a man. It's uh -huh. not going to be about this woman. Uh -huh. It's going to be about her standing on her own two feet, believing that she's strong enough. Yeah. Because you know that's half the reason we don't do things in life is because we don't believe we can. Mm. Right. So like now that I've directed my first movie when I didn't think I could, I now believe I can do this again. Well, you're gonna. I know I can because I've done it now, <laughs> right? Well, that's so, a beautiful, weird, happy ending. The not just a movie, but just the fact that like now you've you've got a deal to direct how many more? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll what is this out. like? You know, this like it seems to be like some sort of um, coalescence of a lot of the work you've done. But you know, kind of honestly, kind of and openly focusing on. Broken people, mm. right? Thinking about broken people. How many broken people have you played? <laughs> My best characters have been the most broken. Right. Put it that way. That's where I, I mean. I watched where I live. Uh, uh, Dorothy Dandridge. Mm-hmm. Broken. Very broken. I know. You know, it, like, and it's so like, like strangely, you know, it's just so the the like I'm because I I remember watching that when it came out, but then I was sort of watching it again, and I was like, oh my god, and you know, she's got a mentally challenged kid, and she was abused as a a, a kid, and I'm like, wow, and then you think about you know the the other one, the one you won the Oscar for, was it Monster, Monster Ball? Yeah, that, that that's not a healthy person. <laughs> You know, I love digging deep. I love going to those dark places. You can get raw, man. Yeah, and and you can do... It's so liberating. It's so freeing. You know, like one of the things I loved about even in Bruised is that however I showed up every day yeah. was great. Right. You know, it's yeah. it's being, being our truest selves. Those are the characters that really resonate with me. Yeah, but it's like it seems like you can also do the superhero stuff and the action movie stuff. Yeah, and, because and those like are fun. They, those are release. It's yeah. someone told me I got I need a physical release for my <laughs> anger. Maybe that's why. <laughs> that's why you do those movies. 
Well, some. <laughs> I punch a pillow. <laughs> do you? Or punch a boxing bag. Yeah? yeah. Do you box? Kick some shit. Oh, well, I yeah, of course. I you had did, to train. Yeah, I, I learned so many disciplines now. Jiu-jitsu, taekwondo, judo, wrestling, boxing, Muay Thai, kickboxing. Really? Like, I practiced oh, all of for these MMA. Yeah. And now you can do it. Yeah. And I, do you I use do it to stuff. train? Do you do, use it to exercise? I What's do. the primary I exercise? Do. I'm still studying uh, jujitsu. I'm working to get my purple belt right Oh, now. yeah? Mm-hmm. So, like, where does this all start? I mean, what do you come from to have this deep understanding of the uh, the broken among us? What, where'd you grow up? I'm, I'm broken. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, in the inner city when I was young with a white mother, black father. My father was an alcoholic and wildly abusive. Really? So I'm broken. Yeah, and you saw that. Yes, and uh-huh. I understand where it lives, and I understand what it takes to rise up out of that. I understand how hard it's been. I've Do you have siblings? I have an older sister, yeah. With the same parents? Mm-hmm. So, like, how long did they, were they together your whole life, or? No, no, they divorced when I was three, but my father stayed in our life, and he came back in 1976 when I was 10, and my mom thought, my kids are going off the rails, we need a man around here, so she brought my dad back. Really? He was now more abusive than he ever was, and more in his alcoholism and addiction and his raging and... It was probably one of the worst years of all of our lives. At one point, my dad threw our dog against the wall, and the dog bit its tongue off. And oh my God. it was horrific when you're that little, and it was frightening. And that's probably why I'm drawn to these. These I know where this lives. I know the reality of how, how some people live. But how long did it take you to develop uh, some sense of some sort of empathy for that? I mean, how long were you? angry and fighting your own demons and able and a very long time but my mother who was a psych nurse on a, a, a at a, a VA hospital on the psych ward for all of her career she had the um, the uh, clarity of thought to put me in therapy that year after my dad left she saw what when you were like done. 11 I was 11 yeah she put me in therapy so that I had a healthy place to deal with all of this and she knew that it wasn't with her uh-huh. Because she was part of what allowed this to happen to me by bringing him back. And I can't say she really protected us. Yeah. You know, so she knew that the conversation didn't lie with her. So she got me someone to talk to that really, I think without that, I don't know what path I would have taken. Really? Yeah. And that's been a part of my life, you know, since then. Not that I'm in therapy constantly, but I now, I, I learned at you that early age it. that I have a place to go when the shit hits the fan or yeah. when I'm feeling like I need some place to, you know, talk and get, you know, recalibrated. I have some place to go that's right. safe. Yeah. Know, that helps. And you didn't end up an alcoholic? No. That's no. good. Thank God. Did you end up like a control freak? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I just, it's like my, my armchair <laughs> psychology is sort of like, if you grow up in a, in a, in an erratic alcoholic home, you're either going to end up an alcoholic or you're going to end up like somebody who just wants to control <laughs> the environment. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't want to, I want to control my house. Yeah. Yes. There you go. That's my environment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah may, maybe a little, maybe well, I, I like to say not controlling. I like to say someone that knows that I have to create my reality. It's not going to just pop up. I learned early that I have to create my own circumstance. If I sit back and I'm just a victim yeah. of it, then that's a problem. I have to create it for myself. And do I, how vigilant do you have to stay on top of all this shit? Like in terms of like, you know, just like drifting back into whatever, you know, bad behavior. Um, 
what's the bad behavior? Can my controlling? Well, no, I mean, just like in general, like from, from what you come from and from therapy, like, cause like, I don't know what, what after the therapy when you were 11, you know, how did, how, what were, how did it affect your life? The way you brought up, like your relationships and stuff? Well, I think it made me someone who looked for love in all the wrong places. Right, I needed right. love so badly, like uh, I'm like, like just like character. the character, like yeah. the air to breathe. I needed it. So I wanted a man to love me. Like I always wanted my dad to love me. Yeah. I always wanted that. You yeah, know, and yeah. my dad was super handsome. Yeah. He could sing like Johnny Mathis. He had white teeth like chiclets. Oh, wow. Like I could never understand why this man couldn't love me. Why did he have to be a monster? Yeah. Why did he have to be a maniac? Like I couldn't, his physical self didn't equate with who he was. Right. Right. So I, I grew up wanting a man like my dad mm. to love me. Right. And I realized that I was looking for all, did, in all the wrong And places. you found them. Yeah, I found them, but <laughs> right, they couldn't. Know. They weren't capable like he was. It, it just I didn't. Yeah. I didn't go about it the right way. So I didn't find people that were right for me. I'm not smashing the people. It's right. just they weren't right for me. It's the worst. It's the know? worst feeling to yeah. to be kind of emotionally um, hobbled yeah. in a particular way. Yeah, because a lot of times, because I'm the I'm the same way. Not it wasn't as abusive my background, but if you if you have that weird. You don't know how to love or be loved because of what you were brought up in, right? Even when you think you got a good one, all of a sudden you're like, ugh, it could t- it could turn bad. All of a sudden it like becomes exactly yeah, yeah. like the other ones. Yeah, it's- because, you know, consciously we send our representatives into the relationship, <laughs> but subconsciously we're our real selves. And that, sub- right. that real part of you comes out eventually, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. And so you realize, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And until you really get the healing, you keep choosing the same kind oh. of person. <sighs> Over and over and over right. and over. Well, so, I guess that's what I was asking about vigilance. Yeah, I was doing that, and I worked. I've worked really hard at it with all the failed relationships that I've had. I've had some good ones along the way too. Yeah. But the failed ones that I've had, I've done lots of work around that, trying to figure out why. Yeah. Do I keep calling in the same? What do I have to learn here? Yeah. And this goes back to not just staying stuck in that brokenness and being a victim, but right. saying I play a part in this. Right. And I need to understand what that part is, or this is going to responsibility keep, take responsibility. Yeah, this is going to keep repeating itself. Right. So. Right. It's like yeah, and it's hard because sometimes you get to a point where you're like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. No, I'm just tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you don't think you should have to anymore, but the truth is, you do have to oh, until you really. It out. You need the love. You, you do. You need all of it, and you got to figure it out for yourself. <laughs> you do. No, I do. don't. Yes, you do. All right. <laughs> so, um, how how's your older sister? Is she all right? She's okay. She right. struggled. She has yeah. struggled with alcoholism and mm. her issues. You guys get along all right? We're okay. Yeah. And your mom? Is she around? My mom is around, yes. How's that? That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you feel thank God for the uh uh for the for the therapy. When did you start getting involved with acting? Not until I was uh probably 19 years old. Oh, really? Yeah. What were your interests before that? I wanted to be a journalist. Huh. A writer. Yeah? Yeah. Did you do that in high school and stuff? Mm Mm-hmm. Really wrote for the paper? I was the editor of the paper. Really? Yeah. That's really what I thought I would do. And I wanted to see the world, so I thought I could, like, travel and be a journalist and I could see the world and report and, like, you know, I was going to- Lucky you didn't get into that record. Do that. That's a bad thing to be. I know. It's hard. It's a hard game now. I know. It is. So, yeah, you're- Not mad at how it turned out. (laughs) No. 
So you're 19, and what 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 does it? I am living in Chicago. That's where you went to school, or that's why? where I went there to um, model for a little bit, and I met a like woman big time? there. Is that when you became a big time model? No, I was never big time because I was always too short. Mm. So it was just something to do until I decided to go to school. Okay. Um, I was having a gap year, uh-huh. and I went there and I met a woman who said, um, you know. You could really do this professionally if you really wanted to do it, but deep down I knew that that really wasn't what I wanted to do. Yeah, I knew Mm. I was too short. It was before Kate Moss. Like I knew I wasn't going to be very successful at that. But because I was in Chicago all by myself, I went to a class at night. I went to Second City. Oh, really? And I started taking classes there. Improv classes? Improv classes. Just to, not because I wanted to do anything with it. I thought I needed to meet people in the town. I needed to make some friends. That's what improv is good for. A lot of people go for those kind of reasons. That's why I went. (laughs) And are there any people that were there that we know that are like big comics now or big comic actors you don't remember? Not, 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 not in my class that you would know. So were you funny? I think so. My my teacher there said, you know, you really should. Have you thought about doing this for a living? I said, oh God, no, I can't. I can't do this for a living. Is another one of those? Are you high? Moments? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he said, I really think you should consider this. There's something very natural about what you do, and your timing is pretty good. I think you should consider this. Who was that teacher? You don't remember? Um, yeah, Jeff Benson. Uh huh. And I said, I don't know. I finished yeah. out the course yeah. and. After that, that stayed in my mind that he thought, hmm, and I thought, I'm, I'm only 19. Yeah. What would be the harm in just seeing? And then out of the blue, a guy called me up on the phone yeah. and said, hey, uh, are you Halle Berry? I said, yeah. He goes, my name is Vincent Serenciona. I, I uh, represent a girl that you know from your beauty pageant, Sandra yeah. Ferguson. Uh-huh. I said, yeah. He goes, I'm looking for a black girl on a soap opera, and I want someone kind of like her. So she said to give you a call. And then I thought, oh, God, this, this is a sign. I've yeah. got a manager calling me up out of the blue. Right. In the moment, I've decided yeah. I should give this a try. Okay. So I flew to New York. He said, come for this audition. I said, on the way. Did you get it? No. Uh, (laughs) I didn't. So you didn't take that as a sign? No, I didn't take that. But but he even said, you've never auditioned. You're a little green, but I think... I also think you've got talent. I think you should consider coming to New York and let me work with you. So I went back home, thought about it for a month. Back to Chicago. How long did you live in Chicago? Uh, Two years. It's a good town, right? It's a good town. Yeah. Yeah. I I loved it, actually. Um, but I went home, and then I came back, and I said, okay, I'll come. Then I moved to New York. And did you start classes? Started class, classes. What'd you do? Where'd you go? I uh, studied with Esper. I, Bill I, Esper? Yes. Everybody Meisner, Yes, everybody. Um, and I studied for a good year, and then little by little, I started getting little jobs, little jobs. But it's interesting that that guy, the first guy, the Second City guy, because what he said about you... That you have a naturalism yeah. is is really true, yeah. and it's a different thing than most people have. You, you know, because there are people you know you can, you know, actors make choices. I get it, but like with you, like you're emotionally, it's so visceral, visceral, and so present, so immediately. It's just a, it's a rare thing, and it's very it's human, and it sort of stands out in a way for me. Like I when I when I see you, I'm like have an immediate emotional response, and then when I see other people, I I, I see the choices they're making. Ah, well, I'm going to take that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yes, thank uh, you. So, thank so you doing the Meisner? Yes, with, uh, study Meisner. Um, yes, and, and you're you're in it. You're I'm going. in it. I'm in it. And studying. And now I'm really wanting to do this. I'm really now wanting to do it. I believe I can do it. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. It's a conscious choice. And then I get 
a job on a television show yeah. called Living Dolls, which moves me from New York to L.A. because it was shot in L.A. How was that? What was that? It was horrible. Sitcom? It was a sitcom about four girls. And I get on the show and I realize I, I, nothing could be worse in the sense that I was happy to have a job. Was I had it? never, but I didn't, you know, I was the token black girl. Yeah. I started every scene, hey, everybody, and ended it with, come on, let's go. Oh, yeah. You know, and I was just, I was bored. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, it's got to be more than this. this yeah. Can't, this can't be what I've signed up for. Did you do any stage work? No. Uh-huh. No. Interesting. No. No. Ever? A little bit, you know. Yeah. A few little small productions, yeah. but not real stage work. Huh. No. It's on my bucket list. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. When, when I'm older. Yeah. Like you said, in this movie, you use a lot of stage actors. It's yes. a different game, right? Yes, a different game. But at the same time, you know, I wanted actors that were just right for these parts. And it so happened that the actors that I gravitated towards were stage actors. Were they New Yorkers? Um, Most of them from New well, York? Well, Stevens worked a lot. No, Sheila's from London. Mm? Oh, and, right, right, um, right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Lennox, yes. Yeah. But what I liked about them, even though they were stage, and you know, stage actors are often bigger and yeah. What I loved about them is they had the ability to take all of that stage, th that history, and and make it small. Yeah, like they were able to still make it small and fit it, fit their talent into this world. How many I kids do you have to look at before you get Hundreds, that kid? Hundred, probably. Really, mm -hmm. that kid really nailed it. Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, he was. He was a revelation when he showed up. A really? Revelation. But it's yeah. weird when you see these kid actors, especially at that age. They all know more than they should to begin yeah. with. They all come in like geared up and their parents are geared up. Yeah. Right? But he wasn't. No, that, that's, oh, why, that's I chose why. Oh, yeah. That he kid. wasn't. He was such a kid and he had such a wonderful mom that kept him um, grounded and centered. And uh. he was just a kid. He wasn't one of these precocious little kids that, you know, it's kind of like too much for to be so young yeah he wasn't like that he huh. was just a kid and when i would say cut he wanted to just go jump on the bed and like jump up and down oh that's and funny. like do what kids do and yeah, go yeah. grab some candy and like shove it all down his right you know, like he was very childlike but he really is, got it yeah like yeah. he you know yeah. and, and he was able to stay well, he's very bright yeah he's very bright but yeah. still a child but he's very bright so when you were in new york was it did, was there tough times I mean, were you like, what were you waiting tables? What was the job? Yeah, there were tough times. Yeah. I, I did tables. Yeah. I was a bartender. Yeah. When I, before I was 21. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Um, yeah. There were some times. There was one little stint where I found myself with no rent money and nowhere to go. And I had to go to the YMCA and be in the shelter for a little Which bit. Which one? Um, near that, Gramercy Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that big one, McBurney's? The big one, yes. Was it over, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Near the park. Uh. And uh, that that was a rough little patch. Yeah. And then my manager at the time, then he finally let me come sleep on his couch for a while. And yeah. I got through it. Yeah. yeah. And then the roles started coming? And then they started, then I got that television show that I told you oh, about. That and was once right I got that, that, then my everyone. Yeah. When did the first okay. movie come? That was Spike Lee's Jungle Fever. Oh, yeah. Uh by a drug addict? Yep. I did. And crack hoe, was it to a, be specific. Was it crack hoe number one? Crack hoe number one. <laughs> number two, <laughs> number three. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember working with Spike? Do you remember the excitement of all oh, that? Oh, I do. Oh, my God. Yes, I remember that. And Spike didn't want me for that. No? No. He said I didn't look like a crack hoe. And I said, what does a crack hoe look like? He said, yeah. not like you. I said, uh -huh. I am a crack hoe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am a crack hoe, trust yeah. me. Yeah. And he goes, no, no, no. I want you to play the character of his wife. And I said, no, no, no. I am the crack hoe. Let me go 
in the bathroom, wash this makeup off, and you'll see I'm a crack hoe. So I came back, and he let me read it again, and he was like, shit, you are a crack <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And I got the job as the crack hoe. You didn't want to be the wife. I didn't want to be the wife. I knew that I had to. Whose wife? It was his wife. Oh. Um, and Veronica Webb got the part, and she's beautiful in it. But I, for me, I knew that I needed to shed my physical self and be taken seriously. And I knew that I needed to start taking on parts and fighting to get parts that you know, relied on my talent, not my physical self, or I would be put in this box forever. You knew right away. I knew right away that I had to dispel that and fight fight to dispel that. That's ballsy, to use a word probably not correctly. (laughs) As you will. Yeah, but you know what I mean? I mean, to make that decision to protect your future. I knew that I had to do that, or I would just be the pretty girl in all the things, and that was the last thing I wanted to be. So when do you feel like, because I mean, you did get, you went back and forth, you did a lot of TV and you did a lot of uh, mm-hmm. movies. When did, what did you feel was uh, the first, the, the role that you really were like, I, 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 you know, I really, this is it. This is the role that is going to define me a bit. You know, it's hard to know. I thought Jungle Fever defined me a bit. You yeah, know, I right. got to play so opposite what right. people would typecast me yeah. as. So that defined me. That was my first role sure. out. Um, I did a, I did Alex Haley's Queen. I played his paternal uh, grandmother. That kind of defined me in a way as an actor, you know, yeah. as a talent, not just what I looked like. Yep. Um, movies like Losing Isaiah also did that for me. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, I remember that movie. Dorothy Dandridge, even though it was about playing a starlet, she was a broken starlet that there were so many layers to her and to her life. She was complicated. Yeah, that Dorothy right? Dandridge thing is like, it's. I, I didn't know much about her. Yeah. You, you know, and it's like, it's one of those stories where, you know, you read the real story and then you see the movie and it's like, this doesn't end well. Yeah, no. Well, it couldn't. I guess. Couldn't. She was wet before her time. There was... You know, Hollywood created this starlet, but there was no place for her. Yeah. You know, at that right. time, there was no place. And when you when you got that role, how did what, what led up to that? How did that happen? I, my manager, that same guy that's couch, couch I used to sleep on, he said, what role do you want to play? And I said, Dorothy Dandridge. I mean, she was one of my heroes growing Out of up. nowhere, without there a project existing yet? Yeah, no, we put that together for HBO. We produced you it did. together. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I've I've always had to sort of make my own opportunities, huh. you know. Yeah. And so this was the first time I said, "This is what I want to do," and we put that together. Shonda Rhimes wrote it before Shonda Rhimes was Shonda Rhimes. Uh huh. She wrote it. Uh huh. And we took it and shopped it to HBO, and they picked it up, and we he and I produced it. Yeah, there's one turn in that where you know, like where you see just because like I always associate you with this kind of rawness, but in that that's a very composed role. You know, because of her mm-hmm. and, and her the time life. period, yeah, right. But that scene where you said you're not going to perform, yeah, at zeros, and <laughs> yeah. then like you just turn on that like showbiz juice. <laughs> I was like, wow, she's really got that in her. When the, <laughs> where's more of that? It's, where's the song? In, where's the song and dance alley? <laughs> it's in there. It's in there. <laughs> Did you like doing that? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Why don't you do a musical? Have you done any musicals? I haven't. I haven't. You got to get you, you got to do stage work. You got to do a musical. Yeah. I'm going to do stage. I, I, in, in, when I'm older, I want to play Mrs. Robinson on stage. Really? In a, is that in the graduate? Yeah. Oh, that'd be great. That's my dream stage role. Well, you can make that happen. You're the producer. So I didn't realize that Monsters Ball was after the Dorothy Dandridge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was after that. Well, how did that come together, that crazy movie? 
Uh, I my agent at the time told me about it. I of course loved it, and then the minute they all gave it to me, they said, "No, no, just kidding. That's probably going to ruin your career." Really? <laughs> and I that's thought, what they said. Yeah, and I thought, but I love it. But why? And they thought, well, it's you know, it's so it's racially charged. You know what yeah. it was about. It's, yeah. It, that was twenty years ago. Yeah. And there's this love. There's this. It's it's nudity. It's gratuitous. They felt, and they thought this is just not where you should be. Uh, after Dorothy Dandridge. Isn't that interesting? Because like, w- because they were afraid of doing what you like to do, which is be expose yeah. that raw vulnerability, yeah. take the risks. Yeah, take risks. Yeah, I've always known if you don't risk big, you're never going to win big. And yes, you knew so, it would make people uncomfortable. Yes. And it made me uncomfortable, which is why I wanted to do it. I like to it sit not make in you that uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Yeah. And I, I, it's like I'm a moth to a flame that way. I love to sit in that. I just yeah. love to sit in it and yeah. challenge yeah. myself and challenge the others and yeah. see what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's well, going to happen? It's nice that there's a healthy context to do that. Yes, in. yes. And, and this is it. Right. You know, it's, well, that, it's that think of a healthier it. way to, yeah. you know, yeah, deal keep, with these demons. Keep it in the fictional zone. Yeah, yes, yes. And like Billy Bob was like, you know, out there. Like that must be like, you know, the level of commitment both of you had to yeah. kind of pull off for that. Yeah. And we were committed. We were both extremely committed. But in between takes, was it sort of like, how you doing? You okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we had talks about, you know, how far we would go and what we would do. Like, we were very comfortable. We we had to be, had agreements. Yeah. About certain things, you know, and we did. Sure. So it was a safe set. Yes. Yes. Uh, And Bullworth was before that. My producer said he just rewatched Bullworth and he said, like, it, it definitely, like, holds up. I think Warren, he was... You know, when you think of what happened in the world since yeah. then, I think he was ahead of the curve on that one. He's interesting, man. I don't, yeah. I've never talked to him. Warren? Yeah. I've oh. talked to him at Benning. Yeah. And I've met Warren a couple of times, but I can't seem to get him like to, to do an interview with me. But that guy knows it all. But the weird oh. thing about him. <laughs> he knows where all the bodies are. He, he's so, so smart. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. But like he plays a sort of almost a doofus sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, he's got this weird way about him where you wouldn't know just yeah. how how smart he is, yeah. how political he is, yeah. and all this other yeah. stuff. Did you get to hang out with him a lot? Yes. I love him dearly. Yeah? He'll always be a friend. Yes. 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 He's a good guy. He's been always supportive in my corner. Great person to talk to. Yeah. Whenever I want to know anything, call Warren. He knows. Oh, really? And he does. And you do it? <laughs> yeah. You guys are still... Yes. Okay. Talk to me about superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> do you like okay outside of the Catwoman debacle which I think you handled well and you've discussed it yes what do you think what happened there it, it didn't work <laughs> like, but it wasn't on you no but but here's the thing though yeah. I have unfairly I believe carried it as if somehow I directed it I wrote it I produced it and I starred in it yeah. you know what I mean I worked hard at doing my part as the actor to become a cat and do what I had to do but I also believe that you know because it was a woman for a superhero yeah. that by making the storyline by making Catwoman in that version just a, a woman that was saving women from having their faces crack off it, she wasn't saving the world uh-huh. like superheroes do right? right so the story was small small mm. and, and didn't transcend like all the superheroes do and I thought that was a big part of it but back then the idea was but if you're making a woman, movie about a superhero woman then it has to deal with women's issues like it wasn't possible for a woman to save the world the right. thinking wasn't there at yeah. that time right, right? so okay. 
I think that's what happened with that. And what in, in these other superhero movies, X-Men and those movies, do you like doing them? Are they fun? They are fun. You know, it's a good, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a nice break from, you know, the other things that I really like to do. And it's physical. It's physical. And I love physical. I love, you, like I did John Wick before I did this. And it was a, just a great physical movie where I got to just, you know, use that part of what I do. I was a gymnast as a kid. So I get to use all of that. You were? still in my body. Yeah. It's still there, the muscle memory? All of that. I love it. You can like, do, can you do those fl- those flips? I can do some flips. Yeah? yeah. The, what are they called where you just keep back bouncing? Hand yep. Back, back handsprings? Springs? Yes, I can. And what, what else? Can you do... Uh, can you do parallel bars? Or not parallel well, bars? I don't know, Uneven I haven't parallel been bars? on any in a long time. Oh. I can't do that in my backyard, but I yeah. can flip in my you backyard. You can do <laughs> cartwheels and flips you can yes. do? John, so how's that Keanu guy? Great. Yeah? Yeah, he really is. What a mystery that dude is. Yeah, he is huh? a mystery. He is. And he'll forever be that, I'm sure. Two, like, two major like Matrix franchise, now this John Wick thing? Just yeah. keeps churning them out? Yeah. Billions of dollars? Billions. No one knows what the fuck's up with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> He's a good guy, though. No, he seems like a yeah. good guy, but it's like, yeah. it's one of those things where I'm sure you've worked with a lot of people where you're like, what's the magic? Yeah. Some people, they're just magic. I don't know what that is. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> that's no, no, never I think been, you are. That's I, never I, been my story, so I don't know. But see, there's people- I've had to work very, very hard. Well, but, but the thing is, is that you can't help but be yourself. True. Right? True. So all that talent and all that stuff that's in you is going to be there. You're not hiding it. No. The magic people, you're always like, what the fuck is up with them? <laughs> you know? I can't hide anything. Either. I'm not, I'm not interested in hiding. Yeah. I, I, you know, the, the only bad thing about not hiding is like more people than you might want to know about you know about you. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, no, it's okay. But like then there's a familiarity that you yeah. know, people think they know you. And a lot of times you're like, you do kind of know me, yeah. but I don't know you. And that, <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> you don't know them, but right. they do know you. Exactly. They do know you. And it's a little ways. weird. Yeah. And now with like all these social media platforms, there's very few people, if they want to get to you, they will get to yeah. you. Are you on social media? I am. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should follow you. <laughs> I'll follow you. Okay. Yeah, I was on, I did a live Instagram this morning. Oh, you did? Of me doing the, I have Jennifer Hudson on the podcast tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, that we're releasing. So usually I play guitar at the end, just dick around on my guitar. But like I'll sit here and I'll do a live one of me playing and talking to people. Oh. And I've gotten very snippy at them. I only get a few hundred people watching, but over time a few thousand people look at it. <laughs> but I'll do like an hour and a half sometimes. Oh. Just sit there oh. and, and like yell at people when they're trolling me. What are you doing? <laughs> Like, I'll look at the comments. I don't get like, into the fights with the people. Oh. I, I refuse to. What do you do on yours? You, with the fans? With the with the social media, what do you do? I do, do all you, kinds Instagram? of things. I do Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, do you I do really, the TikTok? I really like my Twitter. I haven't done the TikTok. Me neither. I don't understand it. I'm not, I'm not. My daughter, my 13-year-old keeps saying, Mommy, please do it. Please, let's do TikToks. Let's do TikToks. Well, we should do them together because I don't, I don't like, young, well, maybe do them with her. Well, but I don't want her on the internet. Like, oh, I oh. fought to keep my kids out of that oh protective. has that worked it has oh yeah. that's good yeah yeah tiktok i there's certain things i have to hold fast and say like i'm too old for that and i'm gonna that's i'm fine with that <laughs> i'm just i don't need to do it i don't even want to be on twitter <laughs> you know nothing, you're not on twitter i am oh, okay. but nothing comes good from it yeah. nothing good comes from it yeah well it's not the real world it's twitter world yeah, there's like it's not, the real world is like it's very kind of slow and you know like paced well. 
But, you know, as soon as you open your phone up, it's like, yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. And where do you, where do you think it's going? Where do you think? No place good. Really? Well, I don't know. Where do you think? I mean, I think my concern is, is that the world, you know, reality gets more and more sort of compromised by people engaging with social media and, and using and playing, seeing it as some sort of video game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, the thing I've noticed is that my life is relatively small. It's kind of slow. And it's okay, yeah. but you know you get addicted to the pace of engaging, yeah. Yeah. you know, on social media or on your phone and stuff. But like you said, and other people have said, it's not really reality. Mm-hmm. But eventually, it starts to define reality. Right. right. And what what reality is is sort of sad and lonely yeah. and isolated it not and enough. weird. Right. Yeah. Becomes so, an oddly not enough. What's well, that dopamine trip? Yeah. Man. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I worry about that for my daughter, for the kids. You know. Yeah. How many you got? We, we didn't grow up in this world, so we can kind of see the difference. This has kind of been her world. She's 13. How many do you have? Two. How old's the other one? Eight. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to manage that. And, and it's hard. Yeah. You know, but they also have to be of their generation, too, and yeah. of their time. You know, yeah, you I can't, can't like, turn them into dinosaurs where I don't allow them to Lock partake. them up. Yeah. Give me that phone. Yeah. You know, so it's- I it's can't imagine. Scary. Yeah. It's got to be. And also just scary, like how, how do you like, like I don't have kids and, and, and oddly it's one of the greatest things (laughs) (laughs) I've never, I've never felt better about a decision. That's real. Yeah. That's really real. I I just knew I was too panicky, too, uh, you know, aggravated, too impatient, too selfish to do it. I've been married twice. Really? Got no kids. But you know what? Bravo. That you knew that about yourself. Yeah. Then bring a kid here and just royally fuck them up. And give them a shitload of problems to have to go no, deal with. Not going to do it. You know, I yeah. I really really respect that. And what? But yeah. you know, you overcome a lot of problems. What you just? What made you want to have kids? I just. I, who's to say what makes people want to have children? And, no, I get it. No, but do you not. feel? I just knew I was meant to be a mother. Oh, okay. I just knew it. And do you feel like you know in in parenting you? you're able to sort of like go like, all right, like you stop yourself sometimes and like there's that, you know, that part of your brain. Yeah, I find yeah. myself being my mother or doing something dysfunctional. Mm. And what I've learned to do though mm. is one, be go easy on myself when it's happening, sure. but then also in that moment, be able to go to my kid and say, yeah. I'm really sorry, let me have a redo. Yeah. Let's talk about this another way when yeah. I fall into some behavior that I'm hardwired to do. Yeah. That as we said, yeah. you have to work on your whole life. Sure. It doesn't magically go away. Right. But at least I'm aware of it. And yeah. I can go to them and say, I didn't handle that. Right. Let's let me walk out and yeah. let me walk back in and let's do it. And like my kids find it funny now, but they appreciate that I'm you know, apologizing. And right, kids right. always love when as a parent when you say you're sorry that you screwed up. Yeah. But they're also patient with me. They know that I'm trying to get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? That's so funny when in those moments where they become the parent although. I know. I know. I know. It's true. <laughs> That's okay. That's true. So what are you what are you doing now? Just running around promoting this movie or are you are you working on something? I am not working on anything right now. Is that good? That's really good. Yeah. I feel like I'm taking a little break. I have another movie coming out, ironically, in February, so I'll be on this again. Um, And then I'm going to go away and work. Really? Spring, yeah. Like a big movie? Yeah. We can't talk about it. Yeah, it's with Mark Wahlberg. We're going to go do a a, a sort of an action comedy together. Oh, really? Yeah. Pete Berg movie? No. No. Who's directing it? (laughs) 
not want to set yet. Oh, okay. Um, well, he's he's a hard worker. He is, and he can be a very funny guy. He's very funny, and in this role, he's going to be very very funny. I was in, I had a little part him. in that movie, Spencer Confidential, that they, oh. for Netflix. Yeah, but he is a funny guy, yeah. and he's a good actor. Yes, to, he's he's very consistent. Yes, yes, steady. Yes, yes. yes. Well, this has been great. I'm so Thank glad you. we talked. Did Thank are you. you feel good about it? I do. Okay. You're not going to play the guitar? You just For you? told me that's what you do. I do, but like it'd be weird and I'd be, make me all vulnerable and, and I'd be wondering if We've you just talked it. about that. I know, but like <laughs> okay, maybe off maybe off maybe off the mic. Somewhere. Well, that's not that's no, not the way it goes. <laughs> you said you play for people. Uh, then maybe the next time we hang out. <laughs> I play for people on my phone. This sucks. I don't play for pre- people they, in real life. I'm, I'm I mean, gonna, I drove all the way out here to your house. Just you want me to serenade you? I, you, you, you I just play. <laughs> I just play like you know, like uh, kind of dirty. Just play me a little something. Dirty blues licks. Just, that's fine. Just come on, come on. Thank you. Yes. Yes. You got like six of them over there. I know, I know. It's gonna get loud. Let's see. You've been playing your whole life? A long time. Really? Yeah. Self-taught? Uh, no, I took lessons when I was a kid. And, and then people have taught me things here and there. And nice. That made me very nervous. Put nice. me on the spot. <laughs> nice. I think Thank I you. did okay. You did great. Yeah, I got, it took Thank me a second. You. But yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you next time I'll prepare something. Okay. Nice talking to you. Thank you. You too. Great. Great to meet her, great to be with her, great to talk to her. And I enjoyed the movie Bruised, which is uh, on Netflix now. Uh, she directed it, starred in it. We just talked about it. Also, shows were added for the This May Be the Last Time Tour in San Francisco at the Palace of Fine Arts, January 29th. There's a second show added. And in San Diego at the Observatory North Park. A uh, late show has been added on February 11th. Tickets um, are on sale now. For all of them at WTFpod.com slash tour. All of them. Lots of different dates. Go look if I'm coming near you. Here's some wah-wah. Wow.
Boomer lives. Monkey and LaFonda. Cat angels everywhere. Uh.